0: You're listening to a message from Highway Church entitled, The Days of Our Lives, Part Six. Enjoy. Hallelujah. So we are in, uh, in the, the midst of moving forward in uh, a, a life-changing, a light-producing series called The Days of Our Lives. This is Part Six. I think we're going to conclude next Sunday, unless the Lord leads differently. But this is Part Six, and you've got to know beyond the shadow of a doubt, the path that God has for you is a path that gets brighter and brighter. That means you're going to be stronger tomorrow than you are today. More faith, more joy, more peace, more wisdom tomorrow than you have today. And on on Tuesday, look out even more. Forget it, Wednesday. Oh my goodness, you're a whole different person by then. Yeah, so we we get brighter and brighter. Proverbs 4.18 says, The way of the righteous is like the first gleam of dawn. I want you to see your life in this way, which shines ever brighter until the full light of day. You see in this verse how light and righteousness go together. We see that in the Scripture. Light and righteousness go together. Darkness and sin go together. Okay, God has light and righteousness for us through Christ. Let's turn in the Word to Isaiah chapter 60. We're going to start here today, and ultimately we're going to end up in 2 Chronicles. Let's go to Isaiah chapter 60. Powerful promise of God right here. This will knock the fear right out of you if you'll just receive it for yourself. All right, Isaiah 60 verse 1. Arise, shine for your light is come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon the person next to you. Who's it risen upon? Yeah, you, but but that can't be possible. i, I I'm just not good enough. Christ has made you righteous, all right? You've qualified for the glory of God to show up in your life because of what Jesus did, not what we've done, and what you've done, all right? Now, I like how the Amplified says, verse 1, Arise, you put that up there, Eden, Arise from the depression and prostration in which circumstances have kept you. <laughs> Rise to a new life. Verse 2, for behold, the darkness shall cover the earth and gross darkness the people. So we're not surprised by the crazy things going on in this world. We're not discouraged by it. We're not afraid of it. This was written like 2,600, 2,700 years ago. God already told us about all this stuff. It's not shocking to us, right? Gross darkness the people, but... The Lord shall arise upon the person next to you, upon you. Do you see yourself full of the glory of God? Do you think of yourself bright and shining when you go to work on Monday? That's you. That's you. The Lord, uh, the Lord will rise upon the glory of the Lord shall rise upon thee, and His glory shall be seen upon you. And the Gentiles, who are the Gentiles? Those who don't know God, right? Those who don't know God will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising. People will see when you put your faith in Christ, you receive his righteousness. You receive his salvation. You receive his light and you begin to walk with Him, because it's not religion, right? It's a relationship. We're listening to Him each day. We're worshiping Him. We're walking with Him, and automatically, as you follow Him, your path gets brighter, and people will begin to take notice of the light in your life. And at some point in time, it is inevitable someone is going to come to you and say, how do you do it? How do you live life this way? See, we're at, we're, we're demonstrating to the world that there's a much better way to live is through faith in Christ. Now, powerful verses. We just read three verses in Isaiah 60. God says, arise, shine. The glory of God himself is risen upon you, that that, that people will see your light and that they will come to the light in your life and want to know where you got it from and how you do it. But I want you to notice something. Before Isaiah 60, verse 1, is Isaiah 59, verse 21. The glory of God is preceded by the word of God. Look at the the verse right before Isaiah 60, verse 1. This is the last verse of Isaiah 59. As for me, this is my covenant with them, saith the Lord. My spirit that is where? It's upon you. God's Spirit is upon you, right? And my words, which I have put where? In your mouth. This is your mouth, right? So His Spirit and His words, which I put in your mouth, shall not depart out of your mouth, nor out of the mouth of thy seed nor out of the mouth of thy seed. See, that's your children, your grandchildren, right? Saith the Lord from henceforth, henceforth and forever, the word of God precedes the glory of God in our lives. That's why complaining and cursing is so crippling. You may think you have a good reason to complain or be discouraged, but because of who God is, we don't. See, complaining is putting our faith in ourselves or our circumstances. If you know a Christian who complains, that's a carnal Christian. We've all been guilty of that at one point or another. But if you're discouraged or, or if you, what's coming out of your mouth, are the promises of God coming out of your mouth? The word of God in our mouth precedes the glory of God in our lives. So when pressure comes, the devil wants to put your light out. He doesn't want your path to get brighter. He wants it to get darker and darker. He wants to put your light out. So when that pressure comes in to give up, to quit, to pull back, to doubt, to question, to turn the other way, you lift up your hands and begin to worship God and say, Thank you, Father. Every promise is yes and amen in my life. You have sent your word and made me whole. You are leading and guiding me. You're accomplishing the things that concern me. You're working all things out for my good. And you keep on praising him. So the Word of God is paramount for this light to shine. So regardless of what Satan would attempt or what darkness is in this world, God has given us the victory in Christ. Let's take a look at the Word of God at John chapter 15, verses 7 and 8. Powerful promises we're looking at here. John chapter 15, verses 7 and 8. The Word of God in our mouths, not in our heads, Not on our bookshelf or on our phone. In our mouths precedes the glory of God in our lives. John 15, verses 7 and 8. This is God himself speaking. This is God in the flesh. This is Jesus, the true knowledge of God. God says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, what will you do? How will you go through life? You will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. See, it produces this attitude in you. You don't settle for less. You go through life speaking to your situations and circumstances, and things change if you abide in me and my words abide in you. By this, by you abiding in me, by my words abiding in you, by you taking authority over situations, asking what you desire, and receiving it. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. What does that word abide mean? I looked it up, and it's pretty powerful when you understand what Jesus is saying here. Literally, the Greek word, it does mean abide. It also means to stay in, to continue in a state of expectancy. Yeah. 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 To stay in a continued state of confident expectation. That's how the righteous live, by faith. That's what faith is. It's a confident assurance that I've got it, that God's done it on my behalf. So to abide is to stay in, to continue in this, this state of expectancy. Now, it also means to dwell. That word dwell, do you know anywhere, anywhere in the Scripture that word dwell is used? He that dwells, Psalm 91, right? Look that word up in, in the Hebrew, in Psalm 91, it, he that dwells in the secret place of the Most High. Where's the secret place of the Most High? It's Jesus. Yeah, Col- Colossians 3 3 says, Our lives have been hid with Christ in God. That's the secret place where we find protection. So, to, to he that dwells, that word in the Hebrew means to sit down in, to sit down in, to settle, to marry. He that dwells, who that sits down in the shelter of the Most High. How do we sit down in God? Through faith in His promises. Through faith in His promises. The life, the victory, the future you're looking for is found by sitting down in Christ. Abide in me. You've, you've heard of the term abode, right? My humble abode. What does abode mean? Home, our house, right? Abide and abode, they're related. Do you think of your home as a place of comfort or judgment? It's supposed to be a place of comfort, right? I'll give you a great example. We just got a new couch a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> and pretty much from day one, this is a sectional, and one of the sectionals is the Shea's Lounge there. And from day one, Judah claimed that spot for himself. I mean, as soon as they put, set that thing up and delivered it, he hopped on there, grabbed the blanket, and it's right next to the fireplace, got his pillows, book. And just about every day since then, that's where we find him on the Shea's Lounge. He's sitting down in comfort, enjoying his home. Home is to be a place where you rest, where you can be yourself, where you can relax where you can you can be refreshed if you abide in me if you sit down in me so when you think of your relationship with God do you think of a comfy couch or an electric chair <laughs> do you think of like a cozy chaise lounge next to the fireplace or do you think I'll have like, a cold shed outside with a pavement floor and a wooden chair with splinters on it in the corner? You know? See, so you can sit down in Christ when you know you're complete in Him. Colossians chapter 2, verse 9 says, For in Him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And that's wonderful, but keep reading. Verse 10. And you are complete in him. Jesus uttered uh, these words before he gave up his spirit. He says, it is finished. Jesus did everything that the law required, did everything that needed to be done for the devil to be defeated in your life. Your job is to sit down in Christ put your faith in his promises. The Holy Spirit is the comforter, not the condemner, right? He's a comfy couch, not an electric chair, right? So there's a spiritual battle going on in your life. Did you know that? The devil wants to keep you from sitting down. (laughs) He wants to keep you from sitting down in Christ. He wants you to work hard, to try all kinds of different ways to get what you want, to, to try this and try that, and, and call this person and research this, and well, this didn't work, and that. And, and God wants you just to sit down, to put your faith in Him, to know that you're complete in Him, that everything you've ever needed was already provided for you through Christ. And the only thing you have to do is believe that. What must we do to do the works of God? The question was asked to Jesus in the Gospels. And what did he say? Belief. Yeah. Religion gets so frustrated by this simple truth. So there's a spiritual battle going on trying to keep you from sitting down. Psalm 23:5, famous psalm, right? What's verse five say of Psalm 23? It says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. What's a table for? You sit down and you eat. Right? God's prepared a table for us in the midst of this dark world. And what do we do? We sit down and we eat it every day. You imagine yourself sitting down at a meal right in front of those who want to destroy you. And you're enjoying yourself. You're feasting. You're enjoying the delicious flavors of God's salvation the love, the joy, the peace, the life, the health, and the strength that He brings because you're sitting down at the table. Are you sitting down today? So we're fighting this good fight of faith and we sit down at the table and eat because God has already given us the victory. It's a good fight of faith. Why? We've already won. That's why it's a good fight of faith. (laughs) See, it wouldn't be a good fight if you had to struggle and got beat up and you're laying on your face all bruised and broken. That's not a good fight. That's a losing fight. That's a bad fight. A good fight is one that you've already won. We're going to look at something that is, is a great example of this. So we're fighting this fight of faith, and you've got to understand that man, even believers, are trying to solve life's issues through natural means, through man's solutions. But the, the way that we win, the, way, the weapons of our warf- warfare, they're not natural. They're supernatural. We're sitting on a supernatural couch Next to a supernatural fireplace, the Holy Spirit. And we've got a comfort in us that nothing can shake and a heat coming from that fire that burns up anything in our lives that doesn't belong there. So in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 4 and 5, we're sitting down in him, right? We see something. It says, the weapons, 2 Corinthians 10, verse 4, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. That word can literally mean just meat. In other words, they're not of the natural realm. You can't touch them, you can't taste them with your senses. Okay? They're supernatural. They're of the spirit realm. They're not carnal, but mighty. There's no natural remedy that can fix you. That's the reality of it. All right? We need supernatural remedies. We need the Word of God. So for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down what? That's where the battle is in your thought life, isn't it? Imaginations. Have you ever noticed when the devil will shoot a doubt or a fear at you, he'll send some images your way to show you what that's going to look like, right? Sure, those are imaginations. That's where the battle is. And if you don't recognize what you're fighting against, you'll get mad at people, you'll get mad at your spouse, you'll get mad at your kids, you'll get mad at your dog, right? But it's up here, it's the imaginations that the devil's shooting at you. That's where the fighting is. What do you do? You tear them down. How? What are your weapons? Joy. Thanksgiving. Nehemiah 8.10 says the joy of the Lord is what? It's your strength. You can't overcome the devil by fussing and complaining and yelling and getting upset with people. It doesn't work. There's no power. There's no supernatural power in that. You can maybe get people to do what you want by doing that, but you can't overcome the enemy in that way. He doesn't listen to that. The joy of the Lord is your strength. So joy is a supernatural weapon that casts down dark imaginations in our thought life. And instead of entertaining them, we begin to worship God that we're delivered from them. And we don't let the devil play out that scenario in our mind. When he shoots a thought into your mind that this is what's going to happen in your life because of this. Or you feel a symptom in your body and he'll shoot a checklist into your mind of why you're feeling that way. And what's going to happen now in your life. Or or you, you, you look in your account and you don't see the money that you need to do certain things you need to do and then he'll shoot thoughts into your mind about what your financial future is going to be like. All kinds of ways. He'll shoot those imaginations your way and if you're, if you're not... Alert and walking with the Lord, without even thinking about it. you, might entertain those things. You could do it for days, weeks, months, sometimes even years. In the back of your mind, these dark imaginations keep playing, and what they do is make you weak spiritually. But that's not us. Praise God, we don't give in to them. So joy, Philippians chapter four, verse four. I'm going to read this out of the Amplified. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Right, Nehemiah eight ten. So thanksgiving is an important part of our, our each and every day of our lives. Philippians 4.4 4 says rejoice in the Lord always. Delight. Gladden yourselves in him. So when I meet someone who's consistently grumpy, I know they're weak Spiritually. delight, gladden yourselves in him. Again, I say rejoice. It doesn't take any spiritual power at all to be grumpy. Zip. Easy. All you got to do is just give in to the pressure of this world. Right? So this is a weapon of ours, Philippians 4. So regardless of what situation we're in, what might be going on in our family, Whatever it is, we choose to rejoice in Him, to gladden ourselves in Him, to stay in that state of confident expectation, abide in me, right? That's where we live. Psalm 1611 says that you will make known to me the path of life in your presence is fullness of joy. In your right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. Have a seat. Sit down. Let God's presence give you the peace you're looking for. Hallelujah. What's another weapon of our warfare? Joy is a powerful one. The devil hates joy. It's so contrary to who he is. Another one is faith, a weapon of our warfare. 1 John chapter 5, verse 4. Look at this one. This is a... Ooh. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. We're, or all of us here, we're born of Him. Overcomes the world. This is the victory that overcomes the world. Your perfect performance. No, our faith. Right? Even our faith. This is the victory that overcomes the world. Praise. Powerful weapon. And we're going to look at an example in the Old Covenant of praise. But it is a powerful weapon. Isaiah 61.3 says that, the, that Jesus has given us the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. The ampli- Amplified says the garment of praise instead of a heavy, burdened, and failing spirit. Don't let the enemy tell you that you are justified in feeling the way that you feel. Because of what you've been through or because of the people in your life. Because the love of Christ for you is greater than how people have treated you. It's greater than what people have done to you or have not done to you. So we are justified in being joyful. We're justified in having faith. We're justified in worshiping Him. Not because people have treated us right and everything's gone right in our lives. But because we have the victory through Christ. Now, we looked at an example last week in the Old Testament of God's protection. We saw three young men that were fully committed to God and did not flinch when the king of the Babylonian empire threatened to throw them in a furnace. Didn't even flinch. It was no threat to them. They said, if you throw us in, uh, God will keep us safe. If you don't throw us in, we're not going to give in to your request. Well, let's look at another example in the Word of our spiritual weapons, back in 2 Chronicles 20. So this battle that you're fighting is really not yours. It belongs to the Lord. The issues in your life that need fixed belong to the Lord. Your marriage belongs to the Lord. Your children belong to the Lord. Where your place of employment belongs to the Lord. So here we have, and back in 2 Chronicles 20, this is powerful. We've got um, King Jehoshaphat and the tribe of Judah. And a number of nations come against him. The Moabites and I think it was the Ammonites come against him. And it's a large, large army. And uh, let me get to that. let me get there in my my King James here, Second Chronicles twenty, yeah the Moabites the Ammonites, and then in verse two, someone comes to the king, and he says there cometh a great multitude against you, from beyond the sea on this side Syria, and behold they go in Hazazon Tamar which is Ungeti. And what does Jehoshaphat do? Verse 3, and Jehoshaphat feared, right? Why was he afraid? He looked and saw an enemy coming against him that was intimidating, right? So he saw with his eyes what was coming against him in the natural realm. This can be you at home. It can be you out and about going through life. You, you, you're seeing the situation you're living in, and you react to it. With discouragement, with fear, with frustration, with complaining. Joseph has fears, but he makes a good decision. In the midst of his fear, he sets himself to seek the Lord. Good decision, Jehoshaphat. Okay, verse 4. And Judah gathered themselves together to ask help of the Lord. Good decision, Judah. Even out of all the cities of Judah... They came to seek the Lord. So they're recognizing something here, that the enemy that's coming against them, their only way of overcoming it is through the Lord. And we need to recognize that same thing. The only way we can live this life victoriously is with God's help. And the good news is He's given to us His help freely and abundantly. It's always available Abundantly available for help in tight places. What is that scripture I'm thinking of? Ah, in the Psalms. Abundantly available for help in times of trouble. Someone help me out on that one? It's a good one. I have to look it up. Anyway, he's abundantly available for help in times of trouble, tight places, one, one translation says. So here they are. They're in a troublesome situation. They've got an enemy coming get, against them that wants to take them out. Okay? So let's go on to uh, verse 11 here. Behold, I say, how they reward us to come to cast us out of thy possession. So in other words, these people that were coming against them were the very people that Israel let go when they took over the possession of the promised land. They didn't destroy them like they were commanded to do. They let them be. And now they're saying, look how they've repaid us. We let them be, and now they're coming to take our possession. Isn't that something? How bold of the devil to try and take your health from you? How bold of the devil to try and take your, your financial prosperity from you? right? It's your possession. God purchased it for you. They were trying to take from God's people what God had given them. Isn't that what Jesus said about Satan, right? The thief comes to what? To steal. Well, he can't steal something that doesn't belong to you. Health belongs to you, right? Prosperity, victory, joy, peace, wisdom belongs to you. Glory to God! So he came to; he's come to cast. They came to cast us out of Thy possession, which You've given us to inherit. O our God, wilt Thou not judge them? For we have no might against this great company. Say that, true that, right? That cometh against us. Neither know we what to do, but our eyes are upon Thee. And all Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, their wives, and their children. Wow. Remember this. Anytime you're reading in the Old Testament, remember you're reading about examples that are to encourage us, but these are people who were not born again. Christ had not defeated Satan yet. They weren't born again. They didn't have the Holy Spirit in us. They couldn't be led by the Spirit. They had to have physical signs to lead them. Okay, so they're in a, in, in, a, in a very different place than we are today. But the good thing is they're turning to the Lord. They don't know what to do, but they're putting their eyes on them. Not just a few, but the entire nation, okay? This is, so verse 14, the Spirit of the Lord now comes upon a priest, okay? One of the descendants of Levi. And in the midst of their issue, of their challenge, he declares the word of the Lord to them. Let's go to verse 15. And he says, Hearken ye all Judah, and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem, and thou King Jehoshaphat. In other words, listen to what the Lord is about to say to you. Thus saith the Lord unto you, Be not afraid, nor dismayed, by reason of this great multitude. Why? For the battle is not yours. Whose is it? God's. The battle is not yours. The problems that you're dealing with aren't yours. They're God's. Even if you've caused them, God's grace is there. They still belong to him. (laughs) Isn't he amazing? So don't be afraid regardless of the multitude that wants to steal from you, kill you, and destroy you. Whatever forces are coming against you, for the battle is not yours. But gods, tomorrow go down against them. Behold, they come up by the cliff of Ziz, and ye shall find them at the end of the brook. Behold the wilderness of Jeruel. Ye shall not need to fight in this battle. Set yourselves. Sit down in me. It it says in Ephesians that God raised us up and seated us. With Christ in heavenly places, far above every challenge and issue, you won't need to face to fight this battle. Set yourselves, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord with you, O Judah and Jerusalem. Fear not, nor be dismayed. Tomorrow, go out against them for the Lord. Will be with you. How do they respond to this word? What do they do? Verse 18 Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground, and all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. Good response. And the Levites, those are the priests, the ministers of the children of the Kohathites. And the children of the Kohathites stood up to praise the Lord God of Israel with a loud voice on high. And they rose early in the morning and went forth into the wilderness of Tekoa. Nothing has changed. In the natural, there's no reason for them to have this confidence. The symptoms are there. The enemy's staring them in the face, waiting to destroy them. They're far outnumbered. They cannot beat this enemy. The only thing that has changed is they've gotten a word from the Lord. And that changes everything. So I want you to see this. There they are in the midst of their situation. The only thing that's happened is God gave them a promise. And as soon as he spoke, they grabbed a hold of that. The minister stood up and began to shout and worship God. And we do the same thing in the midst of the enemy challenging and trying to take from us whatever it is he's trying to take. So many times in my life, in the midst of symptoms in my body, I'll stand up and begin to worship God and say, Thank you, Father. You have made me whole. You bore my sicknesses. You bore my diseases. You put them on your son Jesus. And with the stripes that wounded Jesus, I have been healed. And I'll begin to worship him and, and exalt him and magnify his name with a loud voice. And without fail, victory comes. Without fail. Without fail. There are times it's relatively quickly there. Sometimes I've got to keep doing that. I've got to keep resisting and standing, refusing to let the devil take what God has given to me through Christ. So here they are. They're in a tough situation. They get a word from God and they realize that's all we need now. We can't do this, but God has given us a promise. Let's go out and face them. All right, so verse 20. And as they went forth, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe the Lord your God, so shall ye be established. And the same is true of us today. As you believe him, you will be established in him. There's no other way. Don't look for a sign. Don't wait for some external circumstance to change. As you believe in him, you'll be established in him. As you believe, you will be established. Oh, that's so good. As you believe, believe his prophets, so shall ye prosper. They took the word. They could have doubted the word of God. The word of God came to them through the minister. They could have said, but we can't do this. It's just as impossible. Do you see how many many are coming against us? And when he had consulted with the people, look what Jehoshaphat did. He appointed singers unto the Lord, and that should praise the beauty of his holiness. And they went out before the army. And to say, praise the Lord for his mercy endureth forever. And when they began to sing and to praise... The Lord, not them, set ambushments against the children of Ammon, Moabite, and Mount Seir, which were come against Judah, and they were smitten. And if you'll read, their own enemies turned on each other and destroyed each other. It says not one was left. They didn't fire a shot. They simply worshipped God for the fulfillment of His promise in their lives. Amen. But God wasn't done yet. Every one of their enemies wiped out. Gone. God's not done yet. Verse 25. And when Jehoshaphat and his people came to take away the spoil of them, they found among them in abundance both riches. Did they ask God for that? There was nowhere in their request; They just wanted to be safe from their enemy. God wants you to prosper. Whether you ask Him for it or not, this is His heart. They found among them in abundance both riches with the dead bodies and precious jewels which they stripped off for themselves. How much? More than they could carry away. That's the victory God has for you. More than you can carry. More than you can count more than you can imagine, above and beyond. And they were three days in gathering the spoil. It was so much. So that's what the devil does. He tries to get you afraid and worried and concerned and sends video imaginations to you in your mind of what your future is going to be like when the reality is God's already defeated him and not only defeated him, but provided a rich, overflowing inheritance for you. And that you will experience that inheritance as you believe. As you believe and and put your confidence, sit down in the promise of God. You will be established. Thank you, Father. Don't let anyone tell you different. Take God at His word. Take Him at His word. Let Him establish you in, in the fulfillment, in the finished work of Christ. Amen. Father, we thank you. We sit down in you. We rest in your promises. We thank you, Lord God. You are a comfortable couch where we, we, get, we, we receive comfort from you today. We rest in you today. The battle is not ours. It's yours. All we do is praise you. All we do is worship you. We give you glory and you go before us and strike down our enemies and we thank you lord that not one of them will be left standing when it's all when all the smoke clears and we just thank you for establishing us in our inheritance in you in jesus name the word of god precedes the glory of god in our lives sit down in christ Stay in that state of confident expectation, knowing that God's promises are fulfilled in your life. He has supernatural strength, provision, and victory for you in Christ. Amen.